Welcome to the Common Good Podcast, a conversation about the significance of place, eliminating economic isolation, and the structure of belonging. My name is Rabbi Miriam Turlenchamp, and I'm the host for today's episode with Peter Block. This is the fourth episode in a series of six episodes, focusing on the six conversations from Peter Block's work. Beginning with invitation, possibility, and ownership, we'll now focus on the dissent conversation. These conversations are designed to occur in small groups seeking to produce transformation in communities. And as you might expect, I'm going to start this episode with a question. So let's take a second, allow yourself to be present to where you are, how you're feeling, and what you're carrying right now. Find your breath and follow it for a moment. Notice the inhale and the exhale. Here's the question. What is the no you're postponing or the yes you no longer need? What is the no or refusal that you keep postponing? Or what have you said yes to that you no longer really mean? Another breath. The question again. What is the no you're postponing? Or the yes you no longer mean? Take one last breath. Hold that answer in your mind as we begin to listen to Peter. These conversations are designed to move us somewhere. Most of the conversations I have don't move me anywhere. Certain speech acts have no power such as my opinions, my point of view, my complaint, my blaming other people. Every place we go, it's somebody else's transformation that we're waiting for. And so really the whole idea of this methodology is not a point of view, it's just a methodology. Is to say, when we bring people together, virtual, real, doesn't matter. How do we activate conversations that move us forward. The first one, you know, the invitation basically said, well, why does it matter to you that you're here today? And so we're substituting meaning for history, what got me here. The second conversation, which is possibility, begins with crossroads, which means what am I torn by these days? It also means I have a choice. Most conversations, I watch or often am a part of, don't embody choice. They act like somebody else did it to me. And we're waiting for someone else to change, the police to change, the mayor to do something. To say to somebody, what's the crossroads you're at? And then what's the future that you're a stance for makes you a player? And our real liberation is the absence of oppression. Freedom is something different. Freedom is something about what's the future you want to create. Management is about giving order to the world. Leadership is saying, how do you create an alternative future? And so we're trying to offer the methodology where everything we talk about is in service of us being accountable and together creating an alternative future. The dissent conversation is essential because in high control systems, dissent isn't allowed. Most businesses don't like dissent. They call you a troublemaker. 
what we're talking about here is dissent that produces accountability. The summary for me is to say, if you, if you can't say no, then your yes doesn't mean anything. So why have a conversation of commitment if you can't express your doubts? And there's five elements to it today. The first one is in, in all of these conversations, you go from low to high risk. As we go through, I just want to make it really clear that here's the way you set up a question. Here is the question. And then here's what you do with the aftermath, which can be called resistance to the question. Most of the world is organized on what are the people at the top doing? That's what the news is organized. The news doesn't care about what people are doing with each other. They wanna know what, what are people in the big boxes doing? Our work is to bring peers together. So this is a methodology for peer connection, period. That's why we spend so much time with each other. So I just wanted to say those things as context for this, is that every time people are together, the point is not to get leaders to be more effective. I've given up on that idea. I want leaders to know how to bring people together with each other into conversations that create an alternative future, period. This is where leadership is headed, is a convening function. Everybody has doubts and reservations about anything that you care about. If you say, oh, I'm loving, I have no doubts and reservations, it means you don't really care. And I always think of people when they get married, will you marry me? Oh, of course, I've been waiting for you to ask. That couple's not going to have a good conversation for 10 years. Will you marry me? What the hell are you talking about? Why would I marry a fool like you? That conversation, that couple's going to have a great time starting tomorrow. And so it's a context question. What doubts and reservations do you have about what we're doing here? This whole methodology is an argument for equality, for a leveling. Everything we do with organizations is towards a leveling. People are so conditioned from the first grade when you're told that you have to defeat your classmates to get a good grade. That at some level, when it dawns on all of us, then we all are in a position where we are the authority figure sometime. And so it's, it's discomforting. That's how you know you're making contact. If when people get resistant, it means, okay, now we've begun. If people say, oh, this is so charming, please, please bring back what you learned from the next week. Well, you haven't started yet. Part of what's liberating about dissent is I can stop being a good boy. And the most powerful expression of dissent is when you say in your own mind to your parents, I'm not the daughter you had in mind. That's what you're doing when you say, I have doubts about this moment. I'm not the son you had in mind. And until you say that, your adult life has not begun. If you are using this tool and people express doubts and reservations about you and your facilitation style and what you set up here and how you promised more than you could deliver, and this wasn't what I had in mind, there's only one response to those. Thank you. You never, ever, ever have to explain yourself unless you're talking to God. You just say, thank you. They say, well, aren't you going to give me an answer? And you say, I will when anything occurs to me that I thought would be useful. That completes the conversation. And it's hard to do that when people have objections about the thing you care so much about. But you just say, thank you for telling me. Because the truth is you knew it all along. There's five questions in the dissent conversation. All the questions are useful at some point but you need a certain amount of trust before you can ask riskier questions. And so if you start right out with a risky question, we haven't fallen in love yet, so can't answer it. 
And then it's a spiral, so you keep recycling. First one is what doubts and reservations do you have? Low risk, you can ask that anywhere. The key to all of these is you never have to defend yourself. I don't care what's cost racial lines or gender line, anything. To be helpful is to know what's best for another person. Hopefully everything we're doing here is useful at a human level. But when I say don't be helpful, I mean, don't give advice and don't tell people what you did when you were in their situation. And mostly don't think that you know what's best for another, period, period. So that's number one. Number two, dissent question is, what's the no you've been postponing? Patriarchy has no room to say no. And we're trying to give permission to peers wherever you are. It's a neighborhood, it's a family, it's a project you're on, it's a church. You ask yourself, what no am I cautious about declaring? And again, because if you can't say no, your yes doesn't mean anything. That's the second one. The third one is what's the yes you no longer mean? What kills the future is lip service. Half the things you're doing, people will say to you, oh, we've been doing that all along. We just didn't call it that. Not exactly. Oh, we've been there and done that. No, you weren't there and you didn't do it. You don't say these things out loud. But the idea is, what's the yes you no longer mean? You say, oh, I'm, I'm the kind of guy. Once I make a commitment, I never change my mind. That's the biggest lie in the world. You change your mind every 44 seconds. And so all of this is designed to bring humanity into the collective. And the reason for doing that is if you don't, then what you produce will not give you what you're looking for. If we can't be this way with each other, then all of our activist projects will lose their power because you won't feel connected to the people you're activating with. And it's not like connection is the only point. It's just that if you want to bring racial equality, economic equality, racial justice, whatever you're after, I don't care how large the question is. If you don't feel connected, and trusting and can't say no or take back your yeses with people you're in the movement with, then you're not gonna be very powerful. As soon as you get some resistance, it's gonna splinter your group right down the middle. The other two, just to be complete, is really hard questions. And when we get to them, you'll be a fool if you answer them. One is what's the resentment you hold that nobody knows about? The fifth one is what's the forgiveness you're unwilling to offer, not unable to offer? And so this is kind of the landscape of dissent. It's what doubts do you have? What's the no you're putting off? What's the yes you no longer mean? What's the resentment that you're holding on to? And what's the forgiveness that you're holding on to also? This is the physiology, all right, of commitment, of real change. We're all players in this. And that's the point. So that's my best shot at explaining my life work in two minutes and four seconds. What is the no you're postponing or the yes that you no longer mean? What is the no or refusal that you keep postponing? What have you said yes to that you no longer really mean? As you bring back to mind your answer to this question, I'd like to share my own poem. It's called Matching Pairs. There is no match. A single blue cloud white toe, or faded red to almost pink, or the black one that cost me $12. Waiting, because I know that the matching partner, the one that makes them a pair, that makes them useful, is still out there. 
So, until then they collect, heaped in a corner of the laundry room, growing a community of other lost ones, trying to sell their mismatched existence as hope for the forgotten, lost, destroyed. Until one day, I take a look, pair what I can pair, and then throw the rest away. As we return, Peter continues discussing the Descent conversation before modeling it with his conversation partner, Megan Scott. It's one thing to ask the question, but then what do you do with the response? We'd start with Megan. I would ask these questions and then we'll see where it takes us in terms of responding what people say. The theme of the response is to say thank you. The theme of the response is to not have to defend. The goal of the response is to go deeper, always. And somebody asked about how do you take this to scale? And we'll talk about it later, but the answer is you don't. Because the mindset that wants to take it to scale will commodify anything you're doing that's beautiful. Anything you're doing that's working, you say, oh, this is great for our group. But what about the city? What about the state? What about the government? Let it go. Because as soon as you say, well, we should be doing this everywhere. And you begin to commodify and how do we train people and how do we blah, 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 blah. What you can do is aggregate people that are aligned with your own intention. And you say, well, what are you doing for this intention? What are you doing for this? And so you aggregate what's been created locally into a large national effort. Let's start. Megan, you want to go? That's a, that's a loaded question. Do you want to go? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a loaded question, maybe. Let's just stick with that. The hell with what we have in <laughs> Of course not. Just say, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want Thank to do you. It. Let's do it anyway. <laughs> so the question is, what's the no you've been postponing? Or what's the yes you no longer mean? I'm glad that you brought up the question about scale, actually, because that was the theme in our small group um, of a bunch of OD practitioners who also work at Systems Change. How do we bring this work to structure and to institutions and to, to things like that? The no I've been postponing, postponing it because it has a lot of implications for my business model. As a person who is actively trying to disrupt structures of oppression, but run a consulting firm that requires making money and paying people, the no that I've been postponing is the, the constant churn of like being a consultant in a capitalist, supremacist, oppressive, dominant society. And the different ways of doing that while being able to put food on our table, to put food in the mouths of the people who work for me, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I don't want okay. to have the constant chase of contracts and RFPs and blah, 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 while I'm trying to. How would you say that? In a sense? What, what's the no? What would you say no to? Let me be that. Yeah. What's the simple, you're kind of giving us context, but you're kind of dancing around. Let me hear the no in the specific, as strong as you can say it. Mm -hmm. The no is, the no is succumbing to traditional forms of doing business. Part of the no that I hear is uh, the way you're running your business. Mm -hmm. You want to say no to. So give me that sentence. I want to say no to the way that I am running my business. Say it again. 
I want to say no to the way I am running my business. Got it. Okay, that's that's powerful. Thank you. Now you have a lot of theories about why you said yes, and you have a lot of theories about the world. Got it. But in the end of the day, the moment you say to the mirror and yourself and to the world right now, I no longer want to run my business the way I've been doing it. I want to say no to the way I've been running my business. Because that keeps you as a player. Mm -hmm. Keeps you in control. How does it feel? How's this conversation going? Wonderful. Behind the curtain, fourth wall breaking for, for all of you. I offered to be the guinea pig because I needed someone to ask me these questions. So at the moment, I'm feeling actually rather emotional. So thank you. And is the emotion relief or sadness? No, the emotion is relief. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. What I value so much is you did choose to do this. You know, you started by saying, do I have to? So you were talking to God or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Next thing you said, well, here's the conditions and here's the world. Okay. And then at the end, when I invited you to make a simple declarative refusal statement, everything else disappears and you say, I no longer want to run the business the way I'm running. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And in repeating it, you allow yourself to hear what you just said. Yeah. And then we're done. See, the, the worst thing in the world is to ask people, what are you going to do about it? Come on, Charlie. I don't need you asking me what I'm going to do about it. That's the most unkind question in the world. Megan, you have all the, you know exactly what you'll do about it. And it'll be awkward and bumbling. Mm-hmm. So you're in motion. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much. Thank you, Peter. There's always a price. Price to my unwillingness to say no. Megan, you know, there's a price to her. She's been rewarded for running this business, even though she doesn't want to run it that way anymore. So you can ask people, what's the price it's costing you? And then what's the reward? And in the naming of these things, you say, well, what's the point? Well, as soon as I name it, it no longer owns me. Purpose of the dialogue, it's as soon as you say no or the yes I no longer mean, you're given choice and it lifts the burden of it owning you. And then once you say it, then you'll process it. And it doesn't matter what you do about it. It's just you're changing your relationship to the thing that's causing you pain. That statement was very relieving. I exhaled on that statement. That gave me a lot of relief, a lot of permission for being. Yeah. Because it's the same with our wounds. It's not that the wounds ever go away. It's just that my relationship to the wounds changes and it no longer defines who I am. Mm. It gives me an opening to reconstruct my relationship to it. Peter, 20 years of therapy and just like 30 seconds with you. That relief is one of choice, the tears of choice. But I have control and choice how to do it. The question some people are asking in the chat, well, what do you do with patriarchal systems? And that's a whole different conversation. Good luck. I mean, you spend your life trying to create the alternative. To take a patriarchal system and say, I'm going to fight it. And I feel that way about police reform. You can spend your life on police reform. I've been in that conversation for 40 years. And it doesn't mean there isn't a problem. But you say, well, I'm going to create the alternative. I'm going to create a safe neighborhood. I'm going to create health. I'm going to create well-being. I'm going to create enterprise. I'm going to create a black economy. I'm going to create land. All those things are creating the alternative rather than 
arguing against. Thank you so much for the courage and willingness to be a participant in the world. It's more than just this moment. Yeah, thank you. So the last two questions are a little harder. One is, what's the resentment? I hold that very few people or no one knows about. And the, the fourth one is, what's the forgiveness I'm unwilling to give? Again, I'll give you another little tool. If somebody says, there's no resentment I have that nobody knows about, okay? And I always say, well, suppose you did resent something. So the notion that suppose you did, are you angry? No, I'm not angry. Well, if you were angry, what would you be angry about? No, I'm not upset. But if you were upset, and then you try everything three times. And if I try a second, a third time, I give up. It wasn't meant to be walk away. And then if I start getting upset by the responses, what well, something's triggered me, then I know what to do. I say, excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom. That's when I, I save my bio breaks for moments when I'm not functioning well. And once I leave the room, I'm back. And I, sometimes I don't have to go all the way to the restroom. The question is, what's the resentment you have? Nobody knows about it. Well, resentment's too strong a word. Okay, what word would you just go with the flow of what people say? And at the end, they may say nothing. And you say, thank you. Most of us think we're unable to forgive. No, I'm unwilling to forgive. How long does it take for somebody to forgive? Eight seconds, 13 seconds. And just, again, my unwillingness to forgive or my holding on to my resentments means that they are owning me. In the speaking of them to another person that I trust, I change my relationship. The resentment is not going to go away, but it won't drive me like it. And I'm trying to get it out from behind the wheel. All these are interrelated. These are all variations on dissent, variations on no, variations on going deeper with them. The goal is not to forgive. The goal is to realize it's a choice. And you may say, I do not forgive you, period. Then at least I choose not to forgive you. And at least something then shifts. You know, It's not saying, well, why don't you forgive everybody? But if you realize you have a choice about who you resent and what's the nature of your resentment and how you express it, a choice about forgiveness, then it doesn't eat away at you so much. A lot of the spiritual methodologies are very lonely. You know, I go and sit on my mat and say, thank you. They say change is from the inside out. I don't believe that. I think change starts with you and I doing something together, being together. Without that, it's very hard for me to see clearly anything. Thanks for listening. You can find more about the conversations in his book, Community, Structure of Belonging, and in the show notes. This episode has been hosted by me, Rabbi Miriam Turlinchamp, and been produced by the amazing Joey Taylor, and music is from Jeff Borman.